Welcome to Health and Sisterhood Podcast, where we explore the mystery and wisdom of sister-to-sister relations and how through them we can build healthy relations and deepen relations with ourselves and others. We invite you to tune in and dive in with us through your own lens. Hello and welcome back to the Held in Sisterhood podcast. In our last episode, we spoke about the summer season within a relationship, um, within a sister-to-sister relationship. And today's episode, we are going to dedicate to the season of autumn. And our intention for this episode is to really unleash the healing potential of a sister-to-sister relationship because that is what for us the autumn really stands for and makes it unique. And we are going to share with you in this episode how to create and how um, how to create and how to hold space for triggers and use them to up-level a sisterhood and to up-level yourself in your own journey. Um, yeah, and having said that, this is an invitation for you. We always invite you to listen with an open heart to your experience. So take what resonates for you. Um, observe where there might be reactions or triggers and use this as an opportunity to come closer to your own truth. We do not speak your truth. You own your own. Okay. And having said that, I think we can dive right in and speak a bit more about what is autumn and how do we see autumn? Hi, all. Um, hmm. I guess I'll start off with a very visual that comes to me um, around autumn. It is a season that transitions us from abundance in its fruitfulness and its in its aliveness to the winter season, which is bare and cold and almost, I would say, you could say so scarce in some ways to the visual eye. And so autumn for me is like that transition, that, that changing of things, that really, really like in your face kind of changing, especially if you are living in a um, in a region that really experiences the the depths of the four seasons, um, which I know is not available to all parts of the world. Um, so maybe bear with me as I make this visual where I see the changes of colors on the leaves of the trees, where I see the falling of the last fruits to um, to the earth in some ways also decomposing and starting to rot and change and and fertilize the earth Mm. before it is covered um, by snow. Along the season, we see also in itself that transition of those colorful leaves falling, right? So it's it's like we can really see such a vast Mm. cycle in itself taking place within autumn. It's like this beauty of colors, changing into raw, bare trees. And particularly, I'm thinking of trees here, but obviously there's just the, this goes into all of uh, nature's abundance in, 
in the season of autumn. And yeah, um, that rawness, the bear of the trees is where we sort of move from autumn into winter. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the, the visual that I would welcome into our conversation today as we think of autumn as a season of sister-to-sister relationships. This is one reason why I appreciate that we decided to work with the seasons because they're very visual and it just supports so much. Mm, So thank you for painting that picture. Mm, And I want to kind of go with that picture and just see, okay, what does that translate to? Because there is, like, we were just in full summer, right? In that abundance and everything in summer just seems so much better. It's like, I don't know how many people I hear now sharing, finally, the sun is out, you know, and they feel more joy, they feel more alive, right? And summer is very much that. Um, And then when the autumn starts coming, it's like there is, with that letting go of that beautiful or that more joyous picture of the summer, there is something happening in a relationship, I feel, that where it becomes more raw, as you said, you know, the leaves are falling, the leaves are even becoming more dry. It's like the tree is becoming more exposed. There is more vulnerability and there is more, um, there is more of the core to see there are more and in that in that season in a relationship I feel that there are more patterns are coming up more um the the unconscious is starting to happen because we we are kind of like getting used to one another you know we are starting to actually feel which is why I really appreciate autumn you know because whenever we notice that patterns bubble up like unconscious pattern in patterns in a relationship it's also a sign that there is a sense of safety in a dynamic and I feel that autumn is kind of like this beautiful okay there's a sense of safety there's a sense of stability and because of that safety that is when we can let go of the stories that we've created around how we had to be in order to be liked by somebody else and we're starting to really become ourselves and that is where this is why we're saying in autumn triggers are more uh, present that doesn't mean that they're not likely to happen in other seasons but it's definitely there is a beauty of the trigger in this autumn season mm-hmm. yeah you know? it's the exposure right it's the mm-hmm. exposure of the trigger that maybe um, had been there all along. It's just that yeah. when you start to experience a relationship in the depths of maybe more of a daily day, day-to-day routine, right? That, that trigger mm-hmm. that when we, when we saw each other, <laughs> when we saw each other, you know, once a month and we went out for, um, uh, for a gathering with sisters, it was okay. But when I'm, you know, interacting on a more regular basis, maybe that trigger starts to be more present. So it's the exposure of those triggers that we see um, is is interconnected for us in the metaphor that we use around seasons. 
And I know <laughs> I want to bring this into this conversation because Marlene and I, when we were in preparation, we talked quite a bit about this of like, how do we not make one season better than the other, right? Like that's <laughs> not the intention. <laughs> we definitely have our own projections of life and how we live life and what seasons mm. we prefer to be in. However, there is no better or worse season because every season leads us to the next season. And as nature continues to show us, and goodness, I wish this was so integrated in all parts of our lives. And we look at nature to see mm. the wisdom that comes in, right? Like without the summer, I cannot have winter. Without the winter, I cannot have autumn. Like it is all intertwining and the cyclicality that t unfolds. And so mm, it was just important for me to bring that into this conversation. So while you might hear us speak to things that we would label as, you know, mm. a bit more mm, tense or a bit more uncomfortable in the season of autumn it is not because they are worse it just simply is yeah. an element where we see this season is able to bring us the exposure and the ability to look at them and drop into a more intentional and conscious relational dynamics yeah i think that's beautiful because it invites more acceptance to be present with the cyclicality of like It's like we too easily we get attached to things being good or bad, right? And this is just the invitation to actually accept what is in the moment and embracing that without it needing to be better or worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I do think that autumn is so beautiful for that because, yes, it is the, to simplify it, it is the season of triggers and counter-triggers and counter-counter-triggers But it is also the season of safety. You know, it is the season of stability, of routine, where a relationship actually starts happening. Because before that, it's still the, ooh, you know, we're like excited and stuff like this. And now it's actually where where it's about the commitment that I have mm. towards mm. someone else and towards myself. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm just having these visuals when I think of the of the wisdom of nature and when we live in in accordance to that to that is autumn is the time when we make jams when we create mm. the like the things that will preserve mm. our life and our ability to have nourishment throughout winter and through the beginning of spring because we don't know when you know when things will start to blossom again and we'll, when we'll have food so if we think of it in that way just tying it to what you just said Marlene right like we are creating the substances that we need to nourish and so by like bringing up those triggers in a form of like oh well actually maybe we don't have enough cherries for the, the amount of jam that I wanted to make <laughs> right and so okay well let's maybe do something else with it and that being like a counter trigger that shows up between the relationship um, because I don't I don't like cherry jam uh in in uh, combination with I don't know apricots I don't know just making up the visual <laughs> there right um, I love it but it's like it's so beautiful because I remember when we just bringing us into this and our relationship um, it was the the relationship 
in where we also decided to start this podcast, right? It was like the mm-hmm. relationship that started our day to day. And, you know, we, whether we are recording and posting doesn't quite matter. Marlena and I meet on a weekly basis on an, mm-hmm. at a time and date that we've dedicated to being in relation with each other that in addition gets to produce this podcast, which we're mm-hmm. so grateful that you're listening to and here with us with it. Mm. But in that day-to-day, right, was also over time, we noticed, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then it was like, oh, there's a trigger that's coming up again. Oh, shit, your, counter tr- your trigger is causing me a counter trigger because there are things within, within me that also this relationship brings up. Right? And mm. I can see it because we are seeing each other on a regular basis, probably less right. likely, right, if we weren't. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's that aspect of stability and commitment that really comes forward in, in autumn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to maybe speak a bit about to like how to be with the triggers and counter triggers. Mm. Like how, what is the, because hmm. there's a difference between like what we're creating here is really building conscious relationships with our sisters, right? And sacred relationships with our sisters. And there's a difference to the unconscious relationships that we're having. And I would love to explore maybe together how to to be with those triggers in a way that it actually, as we're saying, elevates us, you know, that it's supporting us to up level into our next um, growth evolution of the sisterhood, but also individually. Mm-hmm. I think you're, you're also touching on this piece that we had um, noted in our notes is the, this movement away from, wanting to be liked and loved and more towards the attunement of self and me and me me in this relationship right so mm, Mm. i think the the link that i made in our conversation was this like imagine spring is all about the possibility of this relationship right like you meet somebody and it's just like, oh my gosh, this this is going to be my bestest sister. Like, And we are going <laughs> to do all of these things together. We're going to travel together. We're going to create businesses together. We, 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 we is just going to be so freaking amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the summer and it's just like, wow, she is amazing. Like she is a, the golden pedestal. And all of the things that she can offer in this relationship. Hmm. And interestingly, I really feel like Autumn comes back to, okay, but me. Hmm. Like, who am I in this relationship when I'm not trying to be liked, when I'm not trying to create those expectations around the bigger relationship, but I really attune to myself Hmm. in that space. And that's why I think the counter triggers come in because I start attuning to myself and actually I become aware that something that you're doing is actually stirring up something within me. And I have the possibility of looking at 
what is in there. Mm. And when I start to look at what's in, in mine, and maybe my counter trigger causes a counter counter trigger for you. Yeah. Yeah, and I love I love how you're bringing it back to the other seasons too, because I think that is where we kind of like set the base for autumn to be actually a place of growth. That is why, so if you haven't listened to spring or summer yet, listen, go mm-hmm. go to summer and spring because we are sharing there how you would, how you create the foundation for this to become something so powerful and so, so beautiful to be, to witness in autumn. And so I feel that one really important element that we are coming back to is that awareness of what's going on within me, mm-hmm. the awareness of, okay, what is the, call it pattern, call it trigger, call it however you want to call it, but the awareness of what is happening within me um, is super crucial in in this season. And to share in the second step, in a way, to share this experience with the other to and sharing in a way not saying you did that but sharing I am owning what I am experiencing I'm owning the trigger that I'm currently feeling without needing to blame or shame another or put it on the other Um, and that's kind of like what I heard before is it's just that awareness and the owning of what's going on within me I have images of like of relationships uh, of dynamics you know coming in as I hear you say that um, it's hard mm. I guess it's coming up because it's hard <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I don't ha- I don't have I don't have light images coming in for no. in some way I you know if if I have to label them in some way they they're like these it's like walking out into the autumn wind, you know? Like, it was just so warm yesterday, and now there's, like, this wind right in my face. Like, that's kind of what it, what I, yes, what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, it's uncomfortable, and it's like that re... Like, I need to readjust, right? I need to go back to my closet and actually see, well, maybe it's time to take out that scarf, right? Mm. And become aware of what is it that I'm feeling. And the instances that I recall... And, you know, a sister speaking something that for me triggered a discomfort or a sense of lack of safety. Um, And those, those kind of instances, when I actually looked at what was happening inside of me, I was able to come back and be like, right, oh. This actually has nothing to do with the relationship between her and I, but my like long thread of unsafety, not feeling safe in relationships the moment Mm. I start caring about somebody because I'm afraid of them leaving me because I'm afraid that they will see a side of me that they dislike Mm. and that they will leave. Right. Or I mean, I have maybe I've spoken about this already here. I have very (laughs) I had 
working through them. Um, patterns of actually pushing relationships to that extent, right? Because I so don't want to experience the possibility of somebody leaving me mm. that I will push to the extent of like triggering and counter-triggering and counter-counter-triggering um, so that they will leave nevertheless, right? Mm. Um, so that awareness also when those connections are being made and I will see like this infinity sign because infinity is this constant movement from one to the other between you and I and in the relationship that we that we form and while in most cases these patterns don't disappear can we just like take that apart? <laughs> like, sorry to say, <laughs> no matter the amount of therapy, somatic experiencing, whatever other forms of healing you might experience and go on, and if you've been on this journey for so while, you probably will resonate with this, is that things don't just disappear patterns, mm. mechanisms that have been formed at those very, very early stages of our lives and continue in relationships don't just disappear. But there's a way of being with them that changes. When we're able to do what Marlena just described and being able to visualize them, to voice them, to become aware of them, they like they soften. They also mm. are allowed to be in relation with us yeah. and the sister. Right? Like they have a space and place in it and not are, are not sh shut off in the back of a closet and then all of a sudden when they're like bursting they just go and and potentially have the you know be that good or bad it's not a label of just rapturing the relationship as a whole mm. Mm. yeah and i think this is why we are so excited about this i mean the podcast in general right held in sisterhood because we see i mean just imagine having an old wound or an old pattern or an old story like that running within you and finally having that safe space to be seen in that and to express that and to express insecurities, to express sadness, to express mm, anger in, in that way, that is such a potent thing to do. And I, uh, you shared that prior as well, this oftentimes when we're in the self-development field, we believe that we, we, always, we kind of have to work on ourselves, do the inner work, and just focus on the self but so much healing can actually happen in relation with another if of course both both people that are part of that relationship are willing and open to create that space for that healing to take place and yeah i think that is it's just massive it is massive massive to suddenly have a space where these parts that we put into the closet, we're actually willingly taking them out one by one 
and we're willingly showing them to the other person. I think that's so beautiful. Autumn is a very mm. poetic season, I feel. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It is. There's just so many visuals that have also yeah. just been emerging through through bringing this into the space, right? Like, as you say, think, thinking of the things that we take out of our individual closet are able to make space in our collective closet, right? Mm. And so they actually, maybe they get to be transmuted and are no longer scary, toxic, unbearable, but actually become a source of compassion and love and integration mm. into the collective relationship that a sister and sister form and maybe even in a greater context of sisterhood mm. right and i feel like that is one of the mm, movements shifts that i'm seeing in my bubble of world and life experience is is women that are bringing forth into the collective um some of those those shadows and triggers and the and the rage and the wild and all the things that um in some ways you know even that if i think of it up until a certain point at least myself and maybe i don't know where you are on your journey i definitely thought they were bad mm. i needed to i needed to shame and i needed to keep my anger and rage inside and no way would I would I bring it forward. Definitely not to a, a a sister that means a lot to me. Like being angry at her would mean that I'm a bad person, mm. right? And we're showing any anger in that in that. And now it's like bringing the anger into the collective, and through the collective of sisterhood, being able to transmute it into uh, into energy of creation, into change, into a different way that we end up being whole there's something that is coming to me right now um probably also because i've recently gone through an experience with with sisters and also individually with one sister where there were many triggers right and counter triggers and counter counter triggers and like it is not it is not easy <laughs> in that moment to come to this space of, oh, this is just an emotion. It doesn't mean anything about me. It doesn't mean anything about the other, right? And so sometimes, and I guess that's just kind of like what's coming forward for me right now is to also mm, to bring in acceptance if it's not in the moment super-duper conscious, but having the awareness that you can always come back to that space right because like when we're triggered we're triggered and there is if when we're really triggered and that's what I experienced this weekend there's little that I can do to bring myself back into conscious uh, space where I can speak and share openly and in taking ownership about my trigger but there's always this space I feel to come back to that in hindsight too um and it's it's not easy. It's like I I know like for me for an instance, I have a lot of the the emotion that I'm currently shaming and blaming a lot is insecurity, you know, and feeling that I am uh, I don't know. I I so often have this sensation of I'm 
because I'm insecure, people don't like me, or because I am, uh, I am, I have different needs, people don't appreciate me, and I become. There's a German word for that, like the Peter, the the one that is kind of like sucking the joy out of everything, you know, that is the party pooper. Um, and so that story is at the moment very, that pattern of me is very present and it feels so uncomfortable because I learned to identify. First of all, I learned to identify with that party pooper. And second of all, I learned that the party pooper is bad and that people don't like party poopers. And that if you express your own needs and desires and they're opposing other people's needs or desires, that's what makes you party pooper. <laughs> I don't know. There's just like so many patterns and it is not, it's not comfortable and it's definitely not all the time super duper conscious and aware, but there is an overall awareness of what is going on. And then I can come back to that and then I can share from that place with a sister and I'll have a lot of sister-to-sister conversations <laughs> this week, I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Very present. Mm. Very present experience. And what you're moving through and what is moving through you, like the, the element of quote-unquote autumn passing that is, I'm going to bring in a visual again. Uh, we may not always be in the space of creating jam together. Mm. Right? And that is kind of like what came up when I heard you speaking to it, uh, Marlon, that we don't always have the resources at hand, um, be that energetic, um, be that literally like the physiological elements at hand to be able to go into those conversations so there's like this there's fine dancing that happens where we need to feel resourced to be able to go into these spaces Mm. to speak to acknowledge to voice to bring to surface uh what is what is there Mm. there are techniques uh, which I find really helpful, or a technique that I'm thinking of in particular, which is called containment, where we, you can literally visualize what has, what is taking your attention, what is the, if you're able to already identify the trigger, or maybe it's just the emotion, to literally visualize putting it in a jar, and putting the jar on a shell that is shelf that is visually accessible to you, right, so that you can. Pick up that jar when you are ready and you're feeling resourced. Mm. So we visually can put that there. Uh, And in that I have found for myself to be really helpful, particularly in the stories that we tend to have around, I need to fix things. It's up to me. I need, you know, like that need to go into solving things also, right? When things are how many times we go into spaces where it's like, you know, something is off, you know, things are not right, but you don't have capacity. It's got to be capacity Mm -hmm. within vitality as well. Right? Mm. Like, okay, I'm noticing it and I'm going to put it in a container and I know where it lives and I'm going to check back and maybe even make that like a conscious, I'm going to check back in three days and see where I am Mm. with that and whether I have capacity to look at that now. 
I love that. I remember like in in that moment for me this weekend, my sister, she shared with me afterwards. Um, it's like, okay, so once you feel ready to share in a few days, let's share. And I find this so beautiful, you know, because we were in the heat of the moment and just having in, in that moment, having this understanding, hey, I'm here. I am wanting to listen but let's both kind of like integrate so that we both have that space to share mm -hmm. and to listen. I think this is so powerful. Like I've, I've never had somebody saying something like this to me when there was like a really, when both parties were probably really hurt. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And having, having that is so beautiful to just say, Hey, and that's what you're like. It just reminds me. It's like she, she, she created that jar through mm -hmm. that invitation mm -hmm. mm. for me what's coming up is that I really feel that this conversation wouldn't be complete if we didn't touch upon attachment styles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I do wonder if there's something that I would before we dive into that and mm -hmm. I think it's very much linked to attachment styles in one way shape or another because if we speak about patterns in relationships, we speak about attachment styles in relationships. Um, and I think the just to kind of like bring like what we're doing in creating these spaces between sister to sister, we are creating a space for these parts of us that have felt very unloved and unseen and unappreciated and judged. And we're creating a space for them to receive the nourishment that they were looking for, to receive the love that they they didn't receive in the past, to receive the appreciation and the needs that they um, that they have. And we're doing that in a very self empowered way, but also in this dynamic with a sister. Yeah, somehow that just felt present. Mm -hmm. I think. Um... <laughs> I am noticing that it also very much is my mind that wants to bring in the attachment styles. Right? Yeah. It's this, it's, there's this like a yearning to, to ground and to like intellectualize uh, everything that we've spoken about and, and to bring that element into this conversation so that you as our reader feel, as our reader, as our listener feel, you know, that you've got also the adequate information to dive into who I am and what I might be uh, bringing into a relationship. Yeah, I know. And I think that's, I think that's beautiful. I like that your mind had that idea or you're thinking of that <laughs> idea or has that need. Um, because I do feel that, I mean, there are so many different tools that we can use, right, to understand ourselves better in relationship with others. And attachment styles are definitely a great tool to understand, okay, what are my dynamics and what are my patterns? How am I wired? How is my nervous system, not how am I wired, how is my nervous system wired to operate in relationship to another being? Um, so I don't, I, I don't know. I feel it would be nice to speak about that a bit. And, and also knowing that we will attach this resource and we, we are not... Um, in any um, 
like we're we're not going to give a complete uh, picture of the attachment styles, but we're definitely going to give some inspirations and attach. We're going to attach some resources for people to dig in deeper mm. to get to know themselves a bit more. Mm-hmm. I love that you painted that. Thank you. Yes, it is not a complete picture. It is one of um, attunement to what is present in this conversation and how we want to bring mm-hmm. in attachment styles to the to just getting to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, if you if you're new to attachment styles, um, attachment styles have been studied and written about and workbooked about and are brought into therapy and into uh, I would say particularly at least in the space that I'm in into intimate relationships to understand attachment styles is how we bond Mm. with a significant other however they actually form in the first two years of our lives so the first and primal attachments which is between parent and child right so in many ways our social dynamics may have shaped our significant other relationships as a mirror image of our parent and child relationships but actually they all of the relationships around us um, do play into uh, how we have learned to attach to another being Um, the main factors that uh, take place in early attachment are Uh, attunement being able to see that which is not said uh, not attended to in the inner world of a child another is containment so the helping to make sense of and not being overwhelmed by one's emotions and repair acknowledgement of a parental failure without a defense and soothing pains right so those main factors play in really early into the attachment styles and there are four attachment styles that um, that have been defined as with everything there's all of the things in between right so um, just tuning as I say them and you might be like oh that's me oh no but that's me too Um, so we have a tendency to swing towards one more than Mm -hmm. the other it does not mean that we are that there's only one um, so there is the secure attachment style and that has been, that is seen as when a child um, feels securely attached generally because um, they're, they've been able to witness their caretaker um, be both upset and leave and at the same time are able to see their parent return happily um, they, when they are frightened, um, they will seek comfort from the parent and caregiver and, be, and receive that comfort. Uh, mm. Contact is initiated by a parent um, and is, rare, is rare, readily accepted by a securely attached child. Um, yeah, and that plays into the relationships that we then can see in adult to adult. Another attachment style is the avoidant and dismissive attachment, so avoidant slash dismissive. And um, that attachment style forms when parents of children um, tend to be emotionally unavailable or mm-hmm. unresponsive to them um, and usually not re- you know, giving them a great amount of time to be in their presence. Um, they often 
discharge or ignore their children's needs and can be especially rejected when the child is hurt or sick. It can be um, also a pattern that we've definitely seen in parenting books from another generation is when parents are um, also encouraged to leave a child to cry on their own, right? So that definitely has been a phenomenon. Um, Parents tend to discourage even children from crying. It's almost like a a punishment if a child um, cries and they encourage their children to premature independently and very quickly. So there's not much play, there's not much eye contact, and the overall interaction between child and parent is uh, missing that sweetness. Mm. The third attachment style is anxious slash ambivalent. Um, The main factor in a child developing an anxious ambivalent attachment is inconsistent attunement in the relationship with the primary uh, caregiver. The parent is inconsistent or erratic in regards to attention and attentiveness. Um, So they might be neglective or angry at one point and then in the other be overly um, reactive with uh, affection and um, and tends to tends to feel feel and create a very manipulative um, Mm. parenting style. And in such a way, the relationship can form that the child tends to be focused on trying to meet the parent's needs above their own needs. And the final um, attachment style is disorganized or chaotic attachment. Um, And this is sort of taking the last one I spoke to and building anxious into like multiple layers um, up where that, that ability to feel secure and safe in the relationship between parent and child is almost non-existent because the parent is is not only unavailable but can also be um, directly or indirectly abusive or neglective of the child's needs. Um, this usually is also includes unresolved trauma and losses um, between the parent and the parent not actually knowing how to deal with them themselves and therefore creating that fear and uncertainty uncertainty in the child as well. Um, so this actually plays out really deeply into um, a child's ability to or inability to understand what safety in a relationship is, because if you imagine the parent being the safety, but also being very unsafe, a child gets this their survival instincts um, in one way tell them to flee to safety, but at the same time are pulled towards the one safe thing that should be, which is their parents. So hmm. all four of these in very explicit and inexplicit ways uh, can feed into how we attach to different relationships in our lives. And I, last thing I'm going to say, and I'd love to hear from you, Marilyn, is like the one thing I could say from my experience is that this varies very much for me based on the expectations that I have in the relationship. So if the expectation in the relationship is much more in like inclusive, intimate, dependent, right? That the dependency threads become deeper, then I can see more of the attachment styles from my childhood purging through 
mm. and weaving into that relationship. And in those cases for me um, are across those three that are not secure. Um, and in relationships where I feel like there's a lot less attachment and dependency, um, then I can lean into a lot more of a secure attachment. Mm, thank you for this beautiful explanation of these styles of these different types. Mm. Well, one thing that, that came up as you were sharing was in a way like, and I, I agree, I think the more vulnerable or the more intimate a relationship is, the more um, likely it is that these uh, styles can be, or these patterns, styles can be triggered, you know. Um, and I also do want to highlight that that intimacy or that closeness, it can happen on different levels. You know, it can happen on the mental level. We can have a very intimate and vulnerable connection there. On the emotional one, physically, it, it can happen in different ways, which is why in, in, in a sisterhood, whereas it might not be similar to a partnership, but there is a degree of vulnerability um, on on different levels um, and especially I've been finding you know especially in, in recent years as I'm consciously choosing to enter sisterhoods there is more of that there um, and that can also be because I find myself at the moment really healing through some old patterns that were born in sisterhood and that were born in like the first social friendships, you know, um, female friendships that I've had. So that's kind of like um, what's coming up with that inquiry. And also I find it so fascinating because in a way in creating these sisterhood spaces, these sacred healing spaces for relationships, for individuals, like in a way what we're supporting the nervous system to do is to come to come to release um, the the pains and the undernourishment that was received in one way shape or form in these especially the last three attachment styles right in the avoidant anxious and disorganized there is a sense of nourishment that wasn't given to the child a sense of safety that wasn't given to the child um, through co-regulation of the, the parent and so in a way what we're doing with these spaces that we're creating is to support people in in learning how to securely attach again and I find this is so beautiful and opening up to the safety that is in relationships and it's yeah this is why I think it's a beautiful uh, investigation for everybody to kind of like dig in deeper to understand the own attachment styles to learn more I myself am now more intrigued because um, yeah I would be curious to understand my attachment style a bit better even right now yeah yeah suggested way from a resource that I've been using to do that is to make sense of your stories Right, stories of attachment, stories of childhood, like child parent, and mm. form a coherent narrative. What some of those, especially the um, chaotic attachment 
it is really hard to actually make a cohesive narrative, right? Because of the forms of attachment have been so um, inconsistent, right? So to form a coherent narrative for yourself would actually quite um, support the, the journey of not only getting to know, but then also starting to form of like, well, what, what would support me, right? To, to let go or move up at least slightly away from that form of attachment and into a, a form that allows more security and safety. Mm-hmm. And I heard you say uh, co-regulate. And I want to say that we could do a whole season on uh-huh, how sisterhood <laughs> could be. Oh, yes. It is a form yes. of supporting co-regulation. Hundred percent, and I think that that's why that is the healing power of sisterhood is because we suddenly find spaces where where we can do that, where we can go through intense sensations, emotions, and someone else is there holding the space and regulating themselves and regulating in a way, co-regulating for us and making us feel safe in what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not savior mode, not no. in I need to fix you. But no. really, really in the the depths of what we mean by co-regulation, which is mm-hmm. like deeply physiological on the nervous system, on like repatterning, mm-hmm. uh, and have and has po- like the implications on our health going forward, right? Mm-hmm. And our mental health and our physical health. So, yeah, yeah. Which kind of I love how much the in, nervous. Mm-hmm. Oh. No, I just wanted to say I love how much the nervous system is present in in this episode today. It's super beautiful to see and to witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which um, which brings me to to sort of maybe looking at and and inviting our listeners to what we will be offering mm-hmm. as a deep dive into mm-hmm. autumn. How do you feel mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, I feel good about that. Our soul work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah. So besides attachment style resources that we'll be including in, are included in this episode description, we also want to. <laughs> well, we want to share with you um, a ritual that you can use whenever there are triggers Um, that you're experiencing in a sister-to-sister dynamic. And you will find that in form of an an audio guide um, and a beautiful worksheet that you can go through. Um, Yeah. And so we would love for you to uh, check that out. Yeah. So that's going to be available for you there. And close with the embodiment practice. Okay, so for our close, closing of this really juicy, uh, autumn-filled, both with like that you know Indian summer and wind in your face kind of feel, um, I'd love to invite us into a space where we get to move our body. So if you are in any shape or form not able to do that right now, this is the moment to pause and come back. Um, 
if you are in a way where you can't fully move but you can have a little bit of like an ability to just shake off this conversation and like let it you know attune back to um to your body uh, then definitely do that and just take what i what i guide us through as an invitation that you filter through your limits that you have right now okay so if you're driving maybe just shake your hand um, if you are walking then maybe wiggle um, whatever is available to you okay um, if you are coming into this then i invite you to stand up <laughs> yeah and we'll start off with um we just find your feet actually this is like returning us back into the body finding your feet against the floor maybe lifting them up and down so you can really feel their weight coming back down onto the surface and also with acknowledging of our feet uh, taking a moment to acknowledge the earth herself uh, with the soil that creates life that is underneath you and i i myself have already noticed my breath slowing down and calming down maybe bringing your attention to your breath allows you to do the same not needing to control it by simply bringing awareness to it it fills your body and bringing your attention a little bit further up to your knees maybe giving them a little bit of a move around front back whatever feels comfortable just acknowledging your knees are part of this bigger whole that is your body and raising your awareness to your hips and to your pelvic area giving that a bit of a movement really a part of our body that i absolutely love because it connects the upper and the lower part of the body in many in many forms it is also known as our energetic center our chi center our root and sacral chakras so bring your awareness that actually this is an area of your body that is possible of creation and for that i mean all women no matter where you are and whether you are able or not able to make to bring life uh, your womb space is of creation of all forms and bring your attention through your spine so if you want just follow vertebra vertebra by vertebra from your tailbone moving your spine through the awareness all the way up to your neck maybe releasing your neck quite intentionally here again and another vital part of our body 
that creates the hole. And bring your awareness to your shoulders, front, back, up and down, whatever feels like a movement that is available to you to bring awareness and attention to your shoulders. And your shoulders connecting to your arms. Bringing your awareness down to your elbows. Moving your elbows in whatever way is available to you. And then moving that awareness out into your hands, to your wrist, to your fingers, to your fingertips, all of the tiny bones and veins that make it available for you to move your hands, to take and give. And whatever that is for your body, Right, filtering it through your available. And last but not least, bring your attention to our head and really feeling how your head sits on top of the rest of your body, right? It's got support. The rest of the body is a supportive, part that holds your head but it also interacts and connects and and works together so and also with awareness of your head maybe bringing your awareness to everything that is above your head the sky the sun the planets the cosmos everything that makes up the world we live in everything that we see and don't see. And with that, just bringing it all back to the rest of your body and feeling all the connections between your head, your spine, your shoulders, your elbows, your pelvis, your knees, feet, hands, fingertips. Ah. You are whole. And we thank you, Marlena, for joining us for today and look forward to hearing each other soon as we dive into winter, our next season. See you next time.